Welcome in to a Wednesday edition of the Sports Huddle on SEMO ESPN Radio. We're at 1220 AM, 93.5 FM, and online worldwide at SEMOESPN.com. Eric Sean and the Missouri Sports Hall of Famer Jess Bolin inviting you to chew it up with us here. Here's our Huddle Hotline number powered by EBOMD, 573-334-1220. Our Huddle Hotline powered by by EBOMD. Jess Bolden in the house. A little windy out there. Is that, yeah, it, uh, is that what I'm hearing? It's not. Uh, it's all, it always seems colder when the wind is blowing. and Well, it is. But it's supposed to get up 32 degrees today by my clock. So that would be a little heat wave. You excited about that? or No, I don't get too excited about the weather one yeah. way or another. Even if it's bad? Well, just read the book of Psalms. I think it's 19, chapter, verse 28. Yeah. This is the day I have given you. Rejoice in it. So, I've been given it a day, and so have you. So, quit griping. Think I'm griping? <clears throat> yeah, you've always got a negative attitude about weather. Yeah. It's cold. Yeah. It is chilly. The wind, as I walked across Broadway, it took a big swipe at me. <laughs> Almost blew my cap off. And At 4 a.m. when I left St. Genevieve, my car said it was 6 degrees. Well, when I came to the show, my phone said 12. Oh, man, it's skyrocketing. Man, look at it this way. You headed south. It's yeah. always warmer to south. There was much more snow on the ground. Down here in the south than there was up in the north in St. Jen. Weird, huh? Mm-hmm. I looked out the window last night, and there was deer tracks on my porch. So it was trying to get warm. You know how my porch is? My front porch is kind of a cove inset. You know, I guess you'd call it, it goes back about five or six feet. From the rest of the front, and you can sit in there. The reason why I did that is because you may remember an old TV show named Marcus Welby. Marcus Welby, MD. Yeah, Robert Young. That's the way his house looked. If you look at that show, ever watch, watch the beginning of the show where it shows his house, that looks like my house. I always liked it. And uh, you can sit on the front porch, you know, with it's pouring down raining and be dry. Was the traffic go by? Traffic's pretty heavy on my street now. When I built that house, and you know the other day we were talking about 72? That's also when I built my house, 72. So it's a pretty popular number. But when I built that house, Blacktop Road was all they had in Perryville Road. And you couldn't park on either side because it was just a narrow road with a a drain gully on each side of the road, you know, for the water. And I lived there less than a year when they paved it. And now the traffic is really bad. Comes, you know, and basically got worse since they opened up Lexington. But at least I set off the road enough 
that it really doesn't bother you too much, you know. Did you watch Mizzou last night? No, I don't have time to waste with Missouri. You you talking about basketball? Talking no. about talking about lacrosse. You didn't watch the no, Mizzou lacrosse. I don't watch basketball Mizzou this year. They're they're just not worth watching. Boy, they're not very good, are they? I think they've lost four in a row. And they, have they won a game in the SEC at all? No. No, I don't think so. They're one and six in their last seven. Last night. They lost on the road at Alabama 93-75. That's four out of the last seven games. They've given up over 90 points. They rank 241st in the country in scoring defense. So They're just not good enough on defense. In other words, in my old age, you want me to add more pain to my body by watching Mizzou. Not going to likely happen. They rank 325th in the nation, 325 out of 351 in rebound margin. They were not a good rebounding team last year. Despite being an NCAA tournament team, I would have thought that Gates would have recruited a few more guys that could crash the glass. I thought he did. I, I thought I read somewhere where the recruiting class was good from Mizzou this past year. But His evidently... recruiting class coming in next year is really highly rated. So this may be a so bit of a... So we say every other year, Missouri might be good. Well, it, this may be a bit of a rebounding or a rebuilding year. Rebuilding the rebounding because they don't rebound. And one other thing I think is interesting. Missouri is one of the best free throw shooting teams in the country. Jess, they are 32nd in the nation, shooting 76% from the line. Mm, 76, that's really good. That's for really team. good. But free throws attempted per game, 287. They don't get to the line. Free throws attempted per game. They're 287th. Okay, okay. Worst in free throw attempts per game. Yeah, well, that tells you a lot, too. But when they get there, they're terrific. Stand there and take a lot of threes. That's right. They do take a lot of threes. Last night, their defense gave up 13 threes. And you told me you did not see it. But there was a little altercation over near the Alabama bench in the game. Aiden Shaw was pushed away from, you know, just a little fracas right next to the Alabama bench. Nate Oates, the Alabama coach, actually pushed Shaw in the chest, pushed him back. Here's the play. He's now with two. And Missouri with the offensive rebound, and then foul. Whoa, whoa, a little bit extra. I think and then now Nate Oates pushing Shaw back. Nate Oates, his blood boils at times. Dennis Gates is as cool as a cucumber. Contrasting styles from the two head coaches. Even the play-by-play guy said, and Nate Oates pushes Shaw back. And after the game, Dennis Gates proposed the question, why is that not a technical foul when my player gets shoved 
by the opposing coach. What if he got shoved in front of the official by a player? Exactly not the same way. That could be a suspension. You don't put your hands on another player. No technical foul on the play. Now, does the SEC review this play? Absolutely, they will. Now, it was not a hard shove, but it was a shove nonetheless. And again, you did not see the play, so I'm going to show it to you here. Right in front of the bench for the Alabama Crimson Tide. His blood boils at times. Dennis Gates is... Yeah, let's go back. I think... There we go. Whoa, whoa. Now watch the coach. And they now made Oates push it okay. back. You saw it there. You can you put your hands on another player like that? Nope. You shouldn't you can't put your hands on your own. Not in a violent way or you know, a way of uh your temper. Bobby Knight could never coach today. I happen to be watching the game live when you remember you've seen this clip, no question where he headbutts his own player. Right. Uh, his player was sitting down, and he leaned over like he's going to talk to him, and he did that on purpose. Just popped his head right against the forehead of the, his player. It staggered that player, and I don't mean physically, but it uh, shocked him, you know, that his coach would do that intimidation. And so he couldn't coach today, and you can't, you just that's the way it should be. Bobby Knight's got a great career, had a great career, but. It's tarnished by some of the antics he did on the court and everything. You just can't do it. You, you know, I in fifty years of coaching, I never used any attitude against my players in any way that I ever remember. You know, you may be a little bit perturbed and chew somebody out, but I don't ever remember laying hands on any player or. Um. You just can't do it. And I had a player one time I challenged. I'm ashamed to say it, but. Um, but we got to dig into this. But it wasn't. Um, Let's drill down on this. It wasn't during a game. It was. He was just on my case all the time, and he's played for me, and he's good, a good ball player. I'll never mention his name. I just thought Rick Weezer may be listening. He might have been on that team. <laughs> but he he just wouldn't let up, you know. And I, we was about 100 degrees. We was trying to find a place to get a hamburger. And, and it, we had another game to play in a doubleheader. And he sits right behind me and the man. And he's he just won't he just won't shut up. So I just stopped, got out, and opened the side doors of the van and told him to get out. You want a piece of me, here I am. I want you. Get out. And that was my own player. But that's the only one I can remember. And I bet you if you asked Rick if he was in that bed, he probably remembers it. <laughs> but, and I penalized the whole team. I didn't go get hamburgers. I went back to the ballpark. <laughs> but, you, you know, your temper can flare in a game, but you just you got to keep it under control when you start getting at the line, and that's getting to the, to the line to touch a player. And um, 
believe me, I've been in some really hotly contested games in my life. You can't play 2,000 games without being somewhere along the way. Uh, I think he was a good guy to get you in the team fight. And you knew him, Brad Purcell. Pitched Simo. Uh, big old guy, 6'5", 230, two, maybe, maybe 250. Be more like it. And he'd mouth off. He had a mouth and an attitude. And I looked around and he one had time. It, he had it in an Australian accent. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, every time I turned around, it seemed like he'd be jawing with somebody on the other team and had to try to talk to him a little bit about easing down. The thing was, <laughs> he was a fabulous pitcher. He was, he, he, was. he was the OVC pitcher of the he year. He was a really good pitcher. On a championship ball club in 2002 for Mark Hogan. He's a good pitcher for me. I mean, he pitched out Wichita and everything, big tournaments and everything. He was good. But he sure would get you in trouble. Uh, I looked around one time at Cabal Park, and him and the first baseman about to go at it, squared off and everything, dropped their helmets. <laughs> Just like hockey, throwing their gloves off. They were ready. Uh, we diffused that right quick. But no, as a coach, you can't do what he did. It's simple as that. I wouldn't. If I was coaching basketball. How really, is it not a technical foul? Well, it's got to be a technical foul. It should be a suspension by his own team. Now, did he shove him hard? No. It don't make any difference. Right. He did it in anger. So he's got to go. If I'm commissioner, you're going to get some suspended games from that. Alabama scored 57 points in the second half of that game last night. That's a beatdown. Yeah. So, it is Florida coming to Mizzou Arena Saturday. And when you talk about giving up over 90 points in four of the last seven, <clears throat> one of those was the Kentucky, who leads the SEC in scoring 91 a game. Number two is Alabama, 90 a game. Florida is third at 85 points per game. So you will have played the top three scoring offenses in the SEC after Saturday. How many points the Gator is going to put up? I'd say 95 to 100. Whoa. If the team's that bad and can't rebound, why wouldn't they? So... Turns into a little bigger game with Florida. You got it at home. You're 0-4, man. That's a bigger game. The bigger game's gone by the boards. If you're 0-4 and sliding downhill and can't rebound. Uh, you better win a... You want, It's not a big game. It's just a game you're going to play. If you win, yay, yay, hey, you won. Wow. But you're not. they're why, not going to go anywhere. Why do you hate Mizzou? I don't hate Mizzou. I just don't uh, I read the tea leaves and they tell me that you're not going to do any good. <laughs> so um, that game is a night game in Columbia, 7 o'clock Saturday night. Uh, you taking calls? I'd love to have a call. All right. Let's head to the EBOMD huddle hotline where Ken is in the huddle with us. Good morning, Ken. Hey, guys. Hey, Jess, how, how close were you yesterday to asking Eric to step outside when you guys were going back and forth there? <laughs> we do that for fun, really. I mean, uh, he's like my son, you know that. 
Mike McCarthy is going to be out in Dallas. You think you think he's hanging around? You think Jerry Jones is going to keep him? No. No. No, I don't think he will either. So no, you I enjoyed yeah, that I... yesterday, did you? Uh, my, uh, my near spanking of Eric? <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's, that's good content. Good, good, good radio. Hey, boys, 30 days until SEMO baseball. How about that? You better believe Can't it. Can't buy into it. Not yet. Whoa. <laughs> I like leaves on the trees, Ken, when why, I play baseball. Why do you hate SEMO baseball? I hate everything. <laughs> I don't know if there'll be leaves on the trees down in Dallas, Texas, speaking of Dallas, uh, but that's where the Red Hawks open up Dallas. When Baptist. the Red Hawks start and we go out there in early March, late February, and there has got the window open and there's the 38 degrees I mean, 38-mile-an-hour breeze coming through the window when we got an air condition and a heated press box, I lose interest in SEMO, yes. Now, when if the wind is blowing in and it's strong... Well, it's very seldom blowing out in the press box. When it's blowing in and there's a chance my papers, and I've got a million papers, blow everywhere, we're going to have to shut the window. I can't, yeah, I, right. I can't, I can't have papers I've everywhere. I've seen them blow all over the place and open the window wider. What hey, the, Eric, you don't, yeah, you, you don't want that window opening up and your papers uh, looking like George's uh, receipts and, and his wallet, do you? Yeah, I saw that one, too. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't sit down straight. He kind of threw his back out of alignment. Yeah, hey, that's like mine, Ken. Wallet. My it, wallet's like that. I save every doggone receipt and stick it inside you know, compartment of your wallet. And uh, mine's like that. I, I'm... Sorry, did he didn't he take uh, one of the menus for monks and slide it under the other cheek to kind of even it up? Yeah, a big wad of napkins, yeah. right? See, oh, that was it. Well, yeah. Napkins. See, okay. mine's a little thick. Well, yours is yours is from all the cash. Yeah, yeah, yeah I got to get rid of some of that green stuff. Hey, Eric, I was looking at uh, talking about SEMO baseball here in the cold, snowy uh, uh, January. Looking at the roster, I mean, got got quite a few key guys back. Lost some key guys. Uh, I don't know. I, I saw, you know, I don't know how much you knew about maybe some of the incoming guys. Of course, they've got some Juco guys in, need to uh, need to step up the pitching a bit. But didn't know what you had heard uh, so far. Again, got some guys back, lost some guys. I don't know if you knew much about some of the incoming guys or who they might uh, be high on or what's your, uh, what's your preseason uh, month away. I know I know you've been knee-deep in basketball, but I didn't know what you knew or heard or your early take on SEMO baseball might be. Yeah, I have not really dug into SEMO baseball. We're gonna, we'll are gonna have Coach Sawyers on in the next couple of weeks to kind of answer some of those questions. But, uh, you know, let's face it, it's going to come down to what do you have on the mound? Yeah, OVC's always been, to me, more of a hitter's league. Oh, yeah. But, but you look at, the, at, you know, the successful – well, SEMO teams or whoever's won it, they, you know, they've got a solid weekend staff and really, you know, that lockdown pretty much Friday night guy and then a solid number two. Your number three doesn't have to be dominating, but, boy, you really need, you know, that lockdown guy on Friday, a very solid guy on, on Saturday to, to win the league. And they've got their three-hole hitter back, which is good. Josh Cameron, one more final season for the Red Hawks and – uh, a last chance to impress the pro scouts for Josh Cameron, and I think he'll have a big year. Yeah, I was glad to see him coming back. Hey, well, I saw that uh, I, Demon, his name escapes me right now. First baseman, have been there for two or three years from uh, from Denver. He's He's gone. 
Yeah, Lincoln. Uh, Lincoln, An- Lincoln Andrews, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. I get, did he run out of eligibility or transfer? Have you heard? Did you hear? Well, I don't know. Just, I think he was just a junior. He must have. Uh, he must have transferred. Yeah. Well, I have to. I have to check that out with uh, with Coach Sawyer's. I did not realize that Andrews is not there, but I see somebody else is wearing number ten. Guy named Gavin Baldwin, a uh, utility player. Yeah, he's not on the not on the roster. I, yeah, pretty sure he was a junior. No, yeah, he was. he was. He was. I don't know if he had registered or maybe, maybe he graduated and, and just moved on. I, I I was just kind of surprised looking through the roster. You know, of course, Javon Mason's gone, some other guys, but I was expecting him to be back. I was a little surprised when I didn't see his name. Well, they're they've got an opening at first base then. Yeah, there you go. Looking forward to seeing old baseball as always. Again, I know we're <laughs> right smack dab in the middle of the OBC. Uh, what about the Red Hawks uh, on the men's side, Eric? Uh, got, a, got a chance to climb back in this in this race, uh, maybe, you think? Boy, they're going to have to do it in a hurry. And uh, they've got uh, several bugaboos right now that are plaguing them. First of all, they are last in the league in field goal percent defense. I mean, there are too many teams that are shooting 50% or more against the Red Hawks, so they're going to have to shore that up. And they're just going to have to find – a couple of other scoring options other than Josh Early and Rob Martin. Aquan Smart has struggled the last couple of games. The uh, technical foul where uh, he was not able to help the team down the stretch against Lindenwood. Uh, they need some consistent scoring options on offense. And defensively, they just have to shore it up. Uh, too many teams are shooting high percentages against them. And you know, we'll see how SIU Edwardsville does Saturday. Yeah, you know, uh, New Madrid County Central won our Popper Bluff Showdown tournament. It was around that time, or right before that time, that uh, Jadis Jones from New Madrid reopened his recruitment, uh, just going basketball only. And I asked him, you know, was Simo, you know, where he, or he wouldn't give up much. After Simo was recruiting him, he said they did. I mean, he's probably bigger than Simo. I mean, he's, man, he's a great player, but what a, what a huge. Yeah, that could be for Brad Corn and staff if they could pull again a guy like Jadis Jones. Yeah, they were at uh, one of his recent games, Corn uh, and an assistant coach or two, and with uh, with Jadis Jones saying no to Coastal Carolina, and you know from what I understand, he decided you know football is not his passion. He is passionate about basketball. And we'll see. Maybe, uh, maybe the Red Hawks can talk him into staying, staying around home. He was at the Red Hawks. Uh, I think it was the game against Bethel. He was at the game. He was at the Notre Dame game too. Yeah, and it seemed like uh, yeah, the whole team, coaching staff was there. I saw two or three of them. I mean, he, he he's a man among boys, and he was even in our our tournament. And I mean, when they played Sykes and Cape, whoever he he'd be a huge get. Speaking you know what I Cape, think about him? My scouting report on him. I think he's a great athlete for one thing, and he has really got some moves and quickness inside the paint. But I think he needs to improve on his outside shooting, and that may not be a secret to anybody. But uh, most kids do, you know, especially big kids. And he's what six, uh, six, six, six seven, five. oh six five. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, he's, he's a definite he's talent. Got, yeah, you're right there, Jess. He does either. He shot a. He shot and made a couple of threes uh, during our tournament over the three-day stretch, but that's something he would – I'm sure he's working on to add to his arsenal. But 
I mentioned Cape. I'll see the uh, former Cape product, uh, Cameron Williams, tonight. Moberly will be at Three Rivers for a big region matchup. Hey, I will say this. Um, I know one player Simo Baseball is high on as a catcher named Shea McGahan, if that's the way you pronounce his name. Uh, he hit four fifty at junior college last year, seven homers, 43 RBIs, uh, high fielding percentage behind the plate. He started his career at the University of Missouri, where he didn't get much playing time, then went Juco. Uh, so there's a guy I know that they're high on. Uh, they they may have a little pop from the catching position this year. Yeah, because they kind of missed that pop last year after losing uh, a, you know, a really, really good catcher in Andrew Keck the year right. before. And then Wade, Wade, Wade Stouse before that. I mean, they've had some offensive catchers. Yeah, no doubt. So, uh, yeah, interesting to see what uh, I think Cameron Williams. He's, I, I don't. I, I think. Do we lose Ken? Really, man, he was a great uh, Cameron Williams from Cape. You're right. Plays from Oberly. Well, Simo certainly recruited him. Uh, at some point, he's gonna, you know, decide on a Division One team whether or not he would bounce back and come to Simo. We'll have to wait and see. It's going to be up to him. Yeah, it'd be a couple of huge guests. But look, yeah, looking forward to seeing him, uh, him uh, kind of come back to the area tonight. He'll actually be in Popper Bluff or Mobley. They're uh, they're loaded again. Look, I think they're thirteen and four now. Mineral area. I don't know if you, how much you keep up with Juco, but they're they're undefeated at Mineral area and ranked fourth in the country. How about that? That's yeah, up so in my neck of the woods. I'd like to see him do a little better job, you know, getting some of these Juco kids. I mean, uh, Overly, Three Rivers, uh, you know, West Plains, Middle Area, and then even across the river, you know, Johnny Logan, obviously, Swick, some of those programs. I'd like to see, just my personal preference, but I'd like to see him do a little better job of, getting, of recruiting, getting some of those, uh, you know, those seasoned, proven Juco kids. Well, I do know this, that <clears throat> Coach Corn is – leaning towards transfers rather than high school players in the future, including the portal. So I think you'll see fewer freshmen at least uh, in the you know immediate future for SEMO. I know that that's going to be their philosophy going forward. And, man, it's just, a, you know, and I'm not coming down on Coach Corn, I mean, it, but it's just got to be tough in any sport that you coach in college now, of course, with NIL and collectives and the transfer portal, you know, who are you losing kids? Who do you pick up? It's, it's got to be, I mean, in the last five years, recruiting is just it's taking a 180-degree one, turn almost. Well, and another thing is they didn't know they were losing Philip Russell. They had recruited around Russell coming back. So, in other words, they had recruited around, uh, you know, a guy who is likely to lead the OVC in scoring and it was a last-minute thing where they had already finished up their recruiting, Ken, uh, and because Coach Corn said, hey, we would have went out and gotten the transfer portal and brought in a guy who's going to average 18, 19 points. It's, it's not really that difficult in his mind to find a score like that, but it was so late in the game when Russell decided to transfer, and uh, you know that's, that's part of the, uh, the offensive challenge right now for this team. Yeah, and I think that kind of figured in on the the timing and everything with uh, with Kenyon Hodges too when he transferred out of EIU to uh, Tennessee State, didn't it? He was supposed to make a visit to Cape. They had talked to him on the phone. He was coming to Cape for an official visit, and on the day of the visit, 
the coaching staff got a phone call and he said, sorry, I'm going to Tennessee State. Oh, wow. I hadn't heard that story. That's the truth. Wow. He was a dynamite, fun player to watch at uh, at Three Rivers here for those uh, two or three. I think he said three years. But anyway, man, what a, what a dynamic, athletic, fun player he was to watch. Boy, you know, their their offense would look a lot different, Jess, if Kenyon Hodges was uh, was on the roster. I'm not aware of Kenyon Hodges. I'm not kid from Cape Central. Oh yeah, yeah. Plays yeah, a lot Cape. of times you, if you can keep your talent around, but you know a lot of kids want to leave. Not that they got a problem with the Cape. It's just they want to expand and get away from home and see what the life's like. That so hap- you don't even have a chance on some kids. That happens a lot, but. They were fairly hopeful that Hodges was coming, at least on his official visit, and were kind of kind of blindsided there as he never made it to campus. Yeah, and again, he may have been a kid like like you guys say, you know, grew up in Cape and just wanted to wanted to go somewhere after Three Rivers. Because went to EIU, maybe just wanted to wanted to kind of get away. But and, and it, man, it, it's an inexact science recruiting. I mean, obviously. And, you know, this team that is coming in on Saturday, SIU Edwardsville, now the SIU Edwardsville women, uh, they may finish last in the league. They're, they're struggling uh, and have for the last few years. But the SIUE men uh, can just blew out <clears throat> Moorhead State the other night, 61-48. to 48. They, held, they held Moorhead State, the best three-point shooting team in the league, to three for 27 from three. They didn't even score 50 points against SIUE, who was picked to finish second in the preseason poll. They've got a lot of guys back, probably more guys back than any other team in the league. This is, this is going to be a, a tough game coming up on Saturday. Yeah, you don't want to say must win, but, but you got to, you know, you're going to get back in the thick of the race. you got to protect home court. And, yeah, I was really surprised seeing that score with them beating, uh, beating Moorhead and holding them down like they did. Now, what's the, uh, what's the postseason – Format for the OBC tournament now, Eric, with the new teams added. You got you got eight teams. Top eight, okay. So three teams are not going to make it, and you know, obviously, right now, if the season ended, Semo at one and four would not make it. So uh, they've got to get some traction here, man. Yeah, well, we know what happened when you can get hot at the right time, like last year. Again, I know two seasons seasons are completely different, but you you know, you first you've got to get in the thing, and then give yourself a chance, and you get hot, and you know. Four games, you don't know what, what never know what can happen. And you know this year's team has multiple things that are weaknesses compared to last year's team. So it's all about you know trying to uh, make adjustments and see if you can find some way uh, to get some momentum here and keep the guys' confidence up. Uh, you know they're playing teams pretty tough. Until, you know, the final six, seven minutes of the game. And then, you know, like Tennessee Tech the other night, they went through a stretch where they had uh, one field goal, I believe, in the final eight minutes. Two field goals in the final eight minutes. Those long scoring droughts in a close game are going to kill you. Yes, yeah, almost. I mean, I know Philip Russell, uh, Chris Harris, but it's almost like they don't have or they're searching for that guy when they need a basket and you've got that go-to guy to get it for you, they, that, that person really hasn't emerged yet. I don't no. Think. No, I thought it was going to be Rob Martin, and it still may be. We saw the Southern Indiana game, and uh, right now the guy who can go get you a bucket 
is Josh Early, four straight double-figure scoring games. Uh, but throwing the ball down to him on the post, you're going to start to see a lot more double teams, and we'll see how the Red Hawks adjust to that. Hey, I won't take up any more time. I will say this, Eric. I think it, it should be Jess's turn this year. You're talking about the press box and Seymour baseball and the window open. It should be Jess, Jess's turn to hear his dulcet tones, give his rendition <clears throat> of the seventh-inning stretch, take me out to the ball game this Whoa. year. Right? <clears throat> well, that all sounds good, but this may be the year that I hang it up, uh, Ken, and – Retire from baseball broadcasting. Whoa, whoa! Now is that breaking news, Jeff? No, not really. But I mean, okay. I got talked into doing basketball this year, and, and um, so it may be time to let it go. If you know what I mean. Well, what a, what a better time to to give us that you know a seventh inning stretch rendition than if, if this indeed could be your last year. Well, you know, people do retire. <laughs> so. Yeah, they do. <laughs> Anyway, I don't know. It's nothing. I've made a decision about it completely, but uh, some, you know, somewhere along the way, you got to step aside. Well, well if you're, in, that, I, I don't know how much cardio it takes to sit in the booth and add your terrific commentary and your fifty-plus years of managerial experience. Well, you know, I appreciate that, but it's uh, when you get my age, it's the steps. And stuff like that that bother you. It's, it's, you know, Ken, it's, uh, when you get older, it's not a problem for me at all. Going up or down steps, either one, if there's a rail. But Capitol Park has no rail going up the press box. It does on the inside, but it doesn't on the outside in the grandstands. You'd think that they, they would have to have a rail. Well, they don't in the grandstands. They don't. I know they don't, but you would think that that would be some sort of a. It's not that. It's just that uh, your balance. It's got to be ha- handicap compliant, right? You need rails. When you're not, when you are as old as I am, it's not that you're uh, you know, too weak or anything like that. Not for me, but it's your balance is not as good. I've noticed that, and I probably be playing sports all my life. It's probably better than it would be if I hadn't, of course. But you don't. Um, you just don't have it, and that goes with everybody. I can die. I can definitely understand that. Well, yes, you got enough pull there. You get, you get that rail. Yeah, we need a railing there. Uh, they <laughs> don't, yeah, but you don't need to put up things to continue a career for somebody else. Why not? <laughs> no, I'm not that valuable. You don't think they did things for Jack Buck? You don't well, think Jack he... Buck's a little different level than me. Let's face it. <laughs> just... I don't rate myself as high it's as anyone. It's baseball broadcasting, just like Jack Buck. Hey, uh, Ken, uh, I don't know if you saw this, but the New York Mets avoided arbitration with Joey Lucchese, so they signed him to a one-year, $1.65 million contract, avoiding arbitration. Nice little uh, uh, Joey Lucchese's millionaire. That's right. That's a lot of money. And uh, wow. glad to see him get it. Me too. I didn't see that. I, of course, obviously, I've kept up with him. <laughs> when he got to single A or whatever out there west, I, would, I used to tune in and listen to his games. I've followed his career. Great great for Joey. And he, he came back and, uh, and and really pitched well last year for, for you know, when he came back, I thought. Like, when he got an opportunity, he made several starts for them, made some relief appearances. He was up and down from the minor leagues, coming back from surgery and you know, right now, 
the New York Mets, I mean, if they're signing him to a contract, then he factors into their future this year somehow, someplace. Yeah, and let's face it. I mean, you know, the, the Dylan Dodds and Joey and other single guys through the years, uh, the more, that's just more recognition for the program and definitely helps in recruiting as well when you can go and, you know, say we've got so-and-so, this, this, this player in the major leagues right now, this guy's in AAA. It's got to help recruiting and uh, and just the recognition for the program. And, you know, some people may not remember when he was drafted, when he went into pro ball, he was the first pitcher of that class to make the major leagues, believe it or not. Yeah, he was. I remember the first one to make it to the bigs. Yep. And he was uh and he had he had got he was loaded uh with San Diego prospects. I can't remember a couple of those other guys that came up with but he beat those guys as well. And a couple yep. of those were drafted higher than him. Yep. Yeah. Hey, I'll let you guys go take up too much time. Hey, All right, Jeff, Ken. Don't, Jess, don't push anybody around or beat anybody <laughs> up today, okay? <laughs> you know, there again, I, it's uh, that's beyond my reach now. But back then, I, I, you know. Back in the day, Ken. Oh, I know. Yeah, that's, 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 it's hard, hard to believe now. But he's yanking, day, he's yanking players out of vans. Yeah. <laughs> I hope to get to the Show Me Center here soon and, uh, and, and, and catch up with you guys. All right, Ken. See you guys. Appreciate the call. 334-1220 is the EBOMD huddle hotline number 334-1220. I like that for Joey Lucchese. And oh, yeah, clearly, I do too. Yeah. The Mets didn't have plans for him. They wouldn't have offered him arbitration. Good young man and a good family. You know, you with SEMO, and I'm sure it's that way with every other university too, but uh, you and I get to meet a lot of the family by, you know, these players and interviewing them and everything else, you know, and them we, coming for weekends. You know, we heard, you know, Joey Lucchese's mother would email us on occasion. I'm not sure I ever met her, though. Boy, that, that's a good question. You know, yeah, I've met, I don't know that, you know, maybe she was able to come out, too. Yeah, I've okay. met so many parents that it's hard for me to remember just exactly the ones I met and didn't. There was one that sent us cookies all the time. Which one was that? Um, She was unbelievable and a great cook. And you remember we used to have the fish, fish fry. And they would bring us up a big uh, container of fried catfish. Now that was something special. Which was amazing. They had to fight each other to see who could get the last piece. It's the way it happens sometimes. Food and women. We are not That's that. It's a man's downfall. <laughs> Maybe drinking food and women. You might want to throw drinking in there. One month. And we've got SEMO baseball. I wonder what the uh, what the weather's going to be like. Well, Dallas, Texas, you know, that I've got relatives down in there in that territory. Um, not um, not really Dallas. But well, it's pretty good ways down the road. Um, it was Brian Lee's mother. Yeah, that's the right. The catcher. That's right. From Ohio. Well, she's an excellent cook, and she didn't mind showing us. She was bring, fantastic. bring us all kinds of food and stuff. Oh, it's tremendous. All right. Um, Jess, did you hear that the Chicago Bulls honored their championship teams with a big ceremony this past weekend? In Chicago, now Michael Jordan did not show up, 
but they honored their championship run. And the late Jerry Krause, who was the general manager, who assembled that team and then, in the end, dismantled the team, he was uh, a bit vilified because Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen were not fans of Jerry Krause, for whatever reason. And I think that made many fans turn on Jerry Krause. And if you watch The Last Dance, and most of us did because there was nothing else going on. That was right in the middle of COVID yeah. when they released no, The Last it. Dance. So they bring the widow of Jerry Krause. Please don't tell me they booed her or something. They booed Jerry Krause at ah. the ceremony, and we will get... That's terrible. The thoughts of Charles Barkley. What did he think? Booing Jerry Krause in front of his widow, and it brought her to tears. Charles Barkley weighs in when we come back. Sports Auto. It's the Sports Huddle, CMO ESPN, 1220 AM, 935 FM. And you can always find us online worldwide at com. Eric Sean and the Missouri Sports Hall of Famer, Jess Boland. Uh, Jess, it was an honoring of the Chicago Bulls and their six NBA championships in Chicago over the weekend. And the late Jerry Krause, the architect building those championship teams uh his widow was there to represent the Krause family and when jerry kraus they put his picture up at the united center uh booze came down from a lot of the chicago bulls fans a lot of people were outraged by that including charles barkley i want i want to be bare couple here because you know, Chicago, I love that city, but what happened in Chicago the other night was a disgrace. It was a flat-out disgrace. The booing of Jerry Krause, the his, late Jerry Krause. The, the booing of his having that, that his yeah. wife cry like that, that was wrong on so many levels. Michael and Scotty and Dennis not showing up, that was wrong. It was a complete disgrace to the legacy of the Chicago Bulls. They are a, they've always been a great, great organization. But to, 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 for that thing to go down like that, not to have the greatest player in your organization there and won six championships and Dennis and Scotty and first of all, they, I don't even know why you would put a hundred guys in the ring of honor anyway. That's just stupid. But what those fans did to Mrs. Krause, that was not cool. And we as we, they, they owe that lady, everybody involved that owe that lady an apology. Whether you like Jerry Krause or not, that man's dead. Rest in peace. His wife is there. And y'all made that lady cry. And that was total BS. Wife, kids, grandkids. Yeah, that was wrong, Very man. Nice. To have that lady crying like that, that hurt my heart watching that yeah, thing. It was. It was painful. And, yeah. and yeah, that's not an indictment of all Chicago fans by any means, but those who Boot. chose to yes. go that way. Yeah, I'm with you. And thanks for bringing that up. Charles Barkley. I feel the same way. And uh, you just some things you just don't do. I don't care if you hated the guy. It, it, you, know, you can't blame his family and his wife for how you feel against a certain person. It's, uh, and Scotty and Jordan had a lot to do with the 
fans' attitude. Let's Absolutely. It, you know? So, and then not, not showing up, I agree with Charles Barkley. That takes away a little from that achievement they had. You know, it's, um, it's a, it is a disgrace. I just don't see how they could say it any other way. So we all saw Patrick Mahomes' helmet break in the sub-zero conditions. The manufacturer of the helmet has weighed in. And they said that Patrick Mahomes' helmet, the headgear served its intended purpose despite cracking. It is a zero-two helmet, and the quote from the company did its job protecting Patrick Mahomes during a head-to-head impact during unprecedented cold temperatures. The design approach is similar to the crumple zone of modern cars, effectively absorbing and dispersing impact forces at the point of contact. So the, uh, the company came out and said, there you go. It did its job. And I think they're going to be, now that's a one-in-a-million situation, Many of us have never seen a helmet explode like that. And he had a backup helmet, then he didn't like it, then they changed the padding, then they put the padding back in the backup helmet. I think they'll be more prepared coming up for the Buffalo game, although it's unlikely to happen again. It sounds like, too, they want to get out in front of a lawsuit. There was no injuries, so uh, at least not we know of. You know, a brain injury can show up years later, but... If, can you imagine if Patrick Mahomes would have gotten severely injured by that helmet breaking like that? Uh, no, they, penalty, they no penalty on the they helmet. They wouldn't have enough money yeah. to pay off. I, but helmets have come so far along. I remember when I started playing that, that we didn't even use helmets at the beginning of when I played. Well, I, that's not true. Leather I helmet. remember in Little League, they had them little ones that went over your ears, you know, and your top of your head was bare. And, um, and we, then we it, used to have to, for Little League back in the day, we used to have to wear those ear protection things when we were running the bases. Yeah, yeah, that's the way it was. And, and of course, you're modern day compared to me. I remember when we first started wearing the actual hat, the helmet. It didn't cover any ears. But uh, I was a guy that bunted a lot when I played. And we were down in Bertrand, Missouri, I think, the American Legion program. And I, you know, as a right-handed batter, if you're going to bunt, you drop your right foot back and be in a running position towards first base. So your left shoulder and everything is down. You're you're kind of uh, in a bad position. And a guy that threw really hard, probably the hardest thrower in the whole state was uh, Dennis Holland was his name, I think. He come up and in with a fastball and there's no way to get out of the way and hit me right in the head and that helmet broke into about 15 pieces just shattered it you wouldn't see that today you know but they were just getting started with the helmets back then and everybody i'll say this it does job even though it's shattered because it reduced the impact and everybody come running out just thinking i was hurt and i wasn't hurt at all at least I didn't think so. But they have come a long ways. And severe, we talk about this extreme temperatures of how, how much damage cold can do to compare that to the heat. 
And for instance, that same blow to that helmet, if it were 25 degrees warmer, do you think that would have happened? Probably not. Probably wouldn't have been in no effect whatsoever on damaging the helmet. So the, I said the other day they probably will revisit and maybe modify slightly the helmets or something like that, but they may not now since they got out in front of it and and kind of talked about it before people could start bearing down on the situation, you know, and forcing a a company to make changes. I, so I don't, I don't know if they will or not. The temperatures in Buffalo on Sunday expected to be a high of 26, low of 21. It's a 5.30 kickoff, 6.30 Eastern That's time, obviously. But in Buffalo, New York, Jess, in the next 48 hours, they are predicting 14 inches of snow. <laughs> 14 one four in addition to all of the lake effect snow that they received over the weekend. Yeah, they, it's piling on more. You know, I mean, you can't. The temperatures are so low, you can't get rid of the snow that you got, and then here it comes again. I remember, I don't remember what year it was, but when we had the twenty four inches of snow in Cape Girardeau. <laughs> I remember how that. It just, might have been seventy nine because we we got the massive blizzard. Well, of 79 it might have been because Tom was Tom was a, a little kid, real little, and so it might have been he was about six, seven, something like that. Um, but anyway, it was uh, it was something you know traffic shut down, city kind of came to a close like uh, for a day or two, like COVID. But COVID, what did, that lasted a month, didn't it? The shutdown of the nation. That was, I think, it's about a month that lasted. Oh, in certain states, restaurants and everything, months yeah. and months and months. Well, and then when they reopened, it was just partial. You remember, um, the drive-throughs kind of stayed open during COVID, but boy, it was tough. It was it was a bad year. So. What did you think about the San Francisco Giants signing Jordan Hicks and they are turning him into a starting pitcher? I think that was a request by Jordan Hicks. I think it's one of the reasons why he signed because of that. I think he put that in his request. And um, there's no reason why he couldn't be a starting pitcher. I mean, the thing about it is I do think he'd have to develop some kind of change up i know he's got a slider but that slider's 95 miles an hour so in other words when now i remember when i played if i saw a pitcher in the other bullpen popping that glove popping that glove everything he threw i thought this could i could have a good day you know but if you saw a lot of off-speed stuff breaking balls and everything i thought well it may not be a good day so what happens is there's not a any hitter on any level that's any good if you throw the same speed continually, he's going to time you. And I don't care if you're talking about high school, legion ball, college, big leagues, wherever. And as a reliever, Hicks, one time through the batting order, Max, he may face only four hitters. Right. So you're not going to see a guy second time. And he's maxing out because he's only pitching one inning, possibly, maybe a little bit more than in an inning. 
And he doesn't really have to have but two pitches because his slider is devastating and his fastball is overpowering. But when you get into a stretch where you're going to go through the batting order two or possibly three times, then that constant speed, every batter steps up there, everything's hard, everything's hard. Believe me, 100 miles an hour from 60 feet, and it's not 60 feet, because time that guy strides forward and he releases the ball, you can add another or detract another minimum of three to four feet. So you're trying to hit 100 miles an hour and you've got a, a, a partial second to make up your mind to swing. <clears throat> but that's why a, a changeup would be devastating if you had a good one because you just it'd be there in your mind all the time. He could throw a, an 85-mile-an-hour changeup. In his two minor league seasons with the Cardinals, he was almost exclusively a starting pitcher. They moved him to the pen when he came up, and then remember he pitched in eight games in 2022 as a starter for the Cardinals and didn't really impress anybody. That doesn't mean that he won't in San Francisco. Four years, $44 million, and he's got some incentives where he can make a little more money as well. Well, I think he's got in his back pocket, too. If it, if it doesn't work out as a starter, he can go back to bullpen. It's kind of a same type of pitcher they got in Duvall, though. You know, young right-hander, both of them power pitchers, big fastball. So I don't know. You might see him get traded if he can't make it as a starter as long as they got Duvall under contract. So we have seen Shohei Otani, hitter, pitcher and the type of contract that he got when asked about potentially pitching in the major leagues mason win at the winter warm-up just said he has no plans to lobby the cardinals about doing some pitching but if you are mason win might you really give that some thought about potentially being a late-inning guy, a late-inning option, and Absolutely. making yourself more valuable <clears throat> to the St. Louis Cardinals. He already throws 100 miles an hour from shortstop. And at this point, everyone believes defensively he's a big leaguer. But the jury is out on whether or not he's a big leaguer with the stick. Yeah, and he may develop like Ozzy. Ozzy was nothing. You knocked the bat out of his hands, you know, when he first came up. But a great fielder. But Ozzy developed into a pretty tough out. He got wound up 2,500 hits, didn't he? So he may develop, but I don't know if the Cardinals got time to waste two or three years developing him as a hitter when you got Goldschmidt and Arnado sitting there with a window open right now to win a pennant. Or at least you got those guys wanting to. Goldschmidt, 36 years old. Yeah, three years from now, they're not even going to be in the big leagues, maybe. Bat speed is, so we saw it slow down just Mason Wynn, if he wants to stay in the big leagues, I would leave that option open to the Cardinals. If they want to try me at late any relief or just any kind of relief, I would be open to that if I were him. Well, if I was him, I'd do what he's going to do. But if he were me, I'll put it that way, I would keep that open. 
because you're gifted and you can throw 100 miles an hour. You're gifted. That's all there is to it. He's, it would come down to does he control the fastball? And does he have any kind of all speed or change up? And does it have any movement? Because if he throws 100 <clears throat> plus miles an hour and it's straight, it's going to get hit. I don't think I've ever seen anybody get more out of their ability that threw a straight fastball than Jason Mott. You remember him? He had no movement on his fastball whatsoever, but he would place it in good spots, which made it effective. I think Ryan Helsley's that way. I don't see a lot of movement on his fastball, but he does have a good slider. You remember? You don't remember Al Raboski, but sure when Al Raboski, yeah, you know him, but I mean, you don't remember. Him I picking. saw his act on the mound. I, I uh, remember his fastball was straight, but Al would move it up in the zone a lot, and you know, all around, and um, he got by with it. It was a pretty good relief pitcher. Cardinal Hall of Famer? I don't know about that. He was good, but I don't know if he was that good. Roboski, 13 years in the big leagues, eight with the Cardinals, 64 and 35, 310 ERA, 97 saves. That's good. That's good numbers. Eight years in the big leagues with the Cardinals, 59 saves, 40 and 20 record, 293 ERA. Well, if you go by what he did with the Cardinals, that's all of Hall of Fame numbers. And with all of the decades that he has given to the organization as a broadcaster, you, I think you've got to include that if you, if he's a candidate for the Cardinals. I do Hall of too. Fame. I think that would that would have to go into the mix. And he's honestly been an ambassador for the Cardinals. He's, he's, he's. I don't know if he still does it. Probably doesn't. That I know he's done a lot of the Cardinal caravans, caravans in the yeah. past, you know. <clears throat> All right, Jess, uh, hello to the uh, lovely and talented uh, Dawn Sean. She's got the day off again today. Hope she has a wonderful day. And, of course, this is the day of the week where we get uh, a little new material from you. Uh, now, Again, I am just kind of taking for granted that there is going to be new material here because you came in with a piece of paper under your arm, so you know what it means. Uh-oh, guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Julie, hey, guess what day it is. Oh, come on, I know you can hear me. Mike, 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 what day is it, Mike? <laughs> Leslie, guess what today is. It's hump day. And, of course, that means Wednesday, a wisdom. Yeah, I want to say hi to my girls, too, down Texas, Columbia, and Cape. And thinking about my boy, Karen Mayo. This is new material. The tomato is both the state vegetable and the state fruit of Arkansas. I, I have a hard time thinking of a tomato it's fruit, don't you? But it is. I How am about a this one? Big fan of the tomato. By Rubber the way. bands last longer when refrigerated. <laughs> most people, most things do. Here's another one. 
Brontology. Do you know what brontology is? B-R-O-N-T-O-L-O-G-Y. Brontology. The study of brontosauruses? The study of thunder. Thunder. And here's the last one. In Arizona, it's illegal to hunt camels. And i tell you one thing. It's illegal to hunt elephants in Missouri. Or you can't kill a shark in Missouri. So there's those kinds of things on the table, in case you're wondering. It's a shame because there's so many alone. of those wild elephants running around. You need to, you need to decrease I know, the they're, population. They're, they're probably getting out of hand a little bit, but it's illegal to hunt an elephant in Missouri. All right, keep that in mind. We don't want to have to raise bail money with a GoFundMe account for anybody hunting elephants. That's right. All right. Chess, run it back tomorrow? Sounds good. All right. That's the Hall of Famer. Stay tuned. Greeny is coming up on ESPN Radio. Enjoy your hump day, everybody.